Let's let's, well, let's get our beers. Welcome to oh, beers. Beers. Wait, I got to first. Welcome to Bitcoin Magazine Happy Hour, everyone. I'm your host, Colin Harper. I'm with Michael Tyberg and Brandon Green. We've got an abomination of Natty Light Seltzer to drink today. So let's let's get at it, boys. Actually, we're starting a little later than you. Oh, cheers. Cheers. We're starting a little later than usual today because Brandon bought these and I had to go and get I had to go and get real beer. But I'm a good sport, so I'm going to try this. And if it's bad, then I'm going to. So we'll probably try to finish it because you know that's oh, being wasteful. Not as bad as I thought it would be. Pretty pleasant, huh? Yeah, that's uh You can drink a couple of these. I got to admit that's not bad. Actually, yeah. But I guess like the thing is like with like with like hard seltzer too, it's not like beer where it's like you have to cut back on ingredients. Like you literally just need to carbonate the water and get the flavoring. And yeah. then you just like I don't know what they use for Take alcohol. Take a sip for a second. Take a sip. Close your eyes. Tell me that you're not on the beach in Mexico. No, dude, I feel like I'm in a frat house. Like I'm gonna be honest. This episode was sponsored by Natural Light Seltzer. No, uh, uh, oh, but I thought the reason why I got them was first and foremost to hear you guys ridicule me, but secondly, because, you know, it's the winter months, everyone's starting to put on their, their you know, winter coats, and uh, this is very low-calorie, low-carb. Well, yeah, but people are drinking porters and stouts because it's winter. Right, that's but I'm, I'm the, you know, as a Bitcoiner... I am against the grain. I'm against the grain. Liter- literally against the grain. So we're uh, we're drinking seltzer today, boys. Uh, all right. Well, boys, let's see. Uh, on the docket today, we've got uh, messaging through lightning. Let's just start um, with that. Yeah. Well, yeah, Tell but I want to kind of go. Th- I want to. I want to go through the table of contents so that people know what they can expect and they can skip forward if they don't want to listen to us talk about certain things. Yeah, that's fair. So Sorry, on. Guys. So first thing we're going to talk about is messaging through lightning. Uh, specifically, uh, use Jaeger's WhatsApp, which is not an application so much as it is like kind of like a, an open source code base that people can use. Um, and also Sphinx Chat, which is about to enter beta, both really cool projects. Then we're also going to talk about Phineas Fisher uh, throwing bows out there and calling for people to hack into uh, a, an American oil company and some uh, companies in Israel. Uh, he's offering 100k Bitcoin bounty or Monero, but I don't really think people are going to take Monero. Probably take Bitcoin. Um, and also, we're going to talk about the recent price action. So, yeah, let's go ahead and dive right into it. Um, Can't tell you like when the next two topics will be on like the timeline of the episode length, but just skip through like a third of the way through if you want to hear like the other topics. I guess since that's why you gave us the topics. Yeah. Thanks for clarifying. Well, we that. also do it like every week too. Sure, but like structure. each week is different. Okay, that's fair. All right. Um, I don't know. You'd want to skip this though, because lightning messaging sounds freaking cool. Super yeah. cool. Um, and it's you know it's something that's been like this is not anything new. Like you've like same thing with like the base layer. Like you've been able to send messages on lightning for a while. But as Yus was explaining to me when I wrote the article, he was basically saying um, a recent update to uh, the lightning protocol has made it easier to attach what are called uh, type uh, type length values to transactions, which is basically just a way to add optional or extraneous data to a data packet. Um, and so anyway, Homeboy went on Twitter and basically demoed his WhatsApp thing. Uh, I think, uh, when was that? Yeah, November 2nd. So it's been a while now. Um, but yeah, so it's super cool. It's basically like encrypted messaging through the Lightning Network. And like, I mean, I guess this is close to like the op return, like utilizing the op return in like a regular Bitcoin transaction uh, for Lightning. So what it is, is like, uh, so the way use solution works is um, let's assume, for instance, that we have a private channel with each other. Then basically what we do is, is I would send you a payment, you know, like so say like a one sat payment and I would attach a message to it. And then essentially you would, you would uh, reject the payment, but extract the message. So you're basically sending failed messages to each other back and forth, which allows you to, again, like send the payment, but then not actually be charged for it. And then the receiver of the payment and the message can still extract the message from it. Interesting. Um, And then uh, Sphinx chat. And I mean, Jaegers can do this too. I mean, so like it doesn't just have to be like a bi-directional payment channel. Like it can, they can be routed. Um, But Sphinx chat works a little differently in that, uh, and I'll read you the quote from the article. Uh, so, uh, Paul, uh, I to- I'm going to mispronounce his name. I'm so sorry, Paul, if you're listening to this. Uh, Paul Ito- to, uh or Aitoa, I don't know. But he says, 
that both apps are similar, but Jaeger's is designed to avoid fees since it uses a failed payment to deliver the message. This is currently free on the Lightning Network, so you could use this today if you had a message or a channel open with someone. But Sphinx inserts the message in the TLV and uses key send to deliver and sender fees will apply. So for the Sphinx chat thing is like the payment itself is actually getting routed all the way to the recipient. So you're still going to have to make a payment. Uh-huh. Um, and so you're basically just attaching the message through the TLV into the payment. And uh, it's interesting because... You know, if you're doing it uh, with a channel open with someone bi-directional, then there's no need to have the payment because you could just keep, you know, sending failed payments back and forth to each other. But if you don't have a route with someone, then you're going to have to route it through some nodes. And then, you know, so like a fee market for this use case would probably organically manifest. Yeah. I mean, the the two quick first thoughts that I have is like, number one, uh, it sounds like this is going to be the real first test of like the capacity and like the throughput of the Lightning Network. Because uh, I feel like it's really easy to start spamming messages and see exactly how long it takes to break lightning. Uh, so that'll be an interesting thing to kind of watch for. Uh, and number two, it also sounds like a really good way for to encourage people to start setting up channels with each other. Right. Because it's like, I know I need a message, you know, Colin and Michael a lot. I'm going to set up a, a channel with Colin and a channel with uh, Michael. And uh, we can just message back and forth from now on without having to worry about any sort of routing issues, any sort of fees being taken from uh, routing nodes, like uh, sounds like it's a much better system in terms of like private, you know, secure messaging. For oh, sure. Yeah. And like, so did you have something you wanted to add? No, I just I think it's so cool. Like, this is one of the those few, or it's the one of the first I think uh, applications that's coming out with Bitcoin and Lightning as a stack that has nothing to do with transactions. And I was saying this earlier. Like, obviously, you can think anything's a transaction, but for there to be things that you can use Bitcoin and Lightning for that have nothing to do with, you know, anything with owing someone money or wanting to send money, um, it's pretty badass. And yeah. Like, this is completely uh, anonymous, too. It's, like, the first truly anonymous uh, messaging system. I'm actually glad you mentioned that because, yes, but there are attack vectors, just like with anything, in terms of de-anonymizing users. So really? For, okay, hold on. Yeah. So, walking through... I'll, yeah, so... so, I'll, I'll, so for instance, like let's say, um, let's say that you have to route a payment, right? So like we don't have a channel open with each other for whatever reason, but I want to text you like, "Yo, bro, what's up?" Uh-huh. Like, what you doing tonight, baby? Yeah. Um, like if I was gonna send that to you, and let's say it had to be routed, let's mm-hmm. say it hits ten nodes on that route. Well, if five of those nodes are controlled by one entity, they might have a pretty good idea about who the sender and the receiver is, because basically the way this works. Um, and the reason it's called Finks Chat, for instance, is because uh, the Sphinx protocol was just uh, was just implemented into I think all of the Lightning implementations. Well, hold, so wait, 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 hang on, wait, wait. Just let me finish. Okay. So what Sphinx is is it's onion routing. So you know it's the way the way the Tor network works. The way Tor network works is you have three different server types. Okay. And like for the sake of simplicity, you know, there's like the first server that sends the you know sends information, and then the intermediate servers which basically only see who they're receiving information from and who they're sending it to. And then you have an endpoint server, which basically it knows the last hop, you know, in the sequence. Yeah. But it doesn't know where it came from. And that's the same thing with a server that starts the transactions where, you know, they they know who's sending the information and they know who's querying the data, but they don't know its destination. So for something like this, if one entity controlled five nodes in a ten in a ten hop payment they might be able to deduce who has sent the funds, especially if they control the first node in the hop and who it's going to if they control the last node in the hop. Okay, so, so does that on. make sense? But they still yeah. wouldn't be able to read the message, would they? No. No, they wouldn't be able to read the message. They wouldn't be able to read the message. And also, aren't the hops not determined? Like, you can obviously set them up so you know you know the route that the path is, uh, or that the message is taking or the transaction is taking, but the odds of someone controlling all the nodes and right. the hops are well, right. are slim to none. There's it's like, well, I don't I wouldn't say slim to none because like so a few things like there are a few actors who control a lot of the liquidity on the lightning network but, and they have so channels are the hops open with them or not. No, I mean cuz it can't be random, right? So like for instance, like if I was trying to get to you, but I had like let's say I had a channel open with Brandon and then Brandon had a channel open with Graham and then also Christy then, like, but let's say that Graham didn't have a channel open with you, but Christy had a channel open with you, right? So I couldn't route it through Graham because it would have to but go to Christy. That's the protocol to get to you. determining on its own, right? That it would take a certain path. Yes, 
Yeah, so it, it's randomized to an extent. Uh, assuming, to an extent, assuming it, that you're not you're connected to more than one like path. Yeah, to an extent. So it okay. could be, but but like the idea here being though, still like if there are dominant players in Lightning, and again, this assumes a malicious actor, right? Like this assumes actual surveillance. But you know, like uh, things like thing uh, companies like CipherTrace and Elliptic and Chainalysis have nodes set up so that they can do blockchain analysis. Like they will eventually do this with Lightning. Like they they're sure. they're eventually gonna run lightning notes that they can deanimize deanimize. I've like, also seen uh, though that they're like not entirely <laughs> sure yet whether they can like whether they'll actually be able to succeed and like mm. tracking the lightning network. So I think it's still a big question question right. mark. And then even still, your your attack vector you're talking about, like you know, if we're putting it in real world terms, they'd be able to know that Trump talked to Ukraine, but they still couldn't prove yeah. pr- uh, you know quid pro quo. So it's like you know, is how helpful is it in terms of you know really gathering data. Uh, right, that's a big part of it for sure. And again, worst case scenario, you just set up the channel with Michael because you know you're gonna be messaging him, and then boom, you don't have that issue at all. So, yeah. So like, if you're a little well connected, like if you're well connected in any regard, or even just connected to more than like a couple people, it sounds like it's pretty it's, yeah. hard to like mess it. Like, right. And and also so, but there's also a way to spy from the IP and TCP level, um, like where like you know like if you were an internet service provider, you could theoretically figure out. Like who, like you know, like that. They're, where it came from and where it went. Yeah. So, like, I'll read the quote that uh, from from the article when I was asking Jaeger to explain attack vectors. Uh, in the article, I say, in some cases, then it might be better for users to set up direct payment channels with each other. Um, and that's, for example, if someone's trying to spy using nodes. If you have a direct payment channel, then boom, like no one's going to be seeing that except for you and the person who's receiving it. Um, uh, but in this case i.e. a direct payment channel. A direct payment channel would be more private if the nodes were surveilling. But if the surveilling party were an internet service provider and tracking TCP slash IP addresses, then onion routing would be more private. Mm. Again, like, but this is this is to say, like, obviously nothing is bulletproof, but, like, it is pretty airtight. And I was asking Jaeger, I was like, why would anyone use this when we have Keybase or when we have Signal, right? Like, I use mm-hmm. both of those. They're great. Mm-hmm. Um, and basically what he said was, um, you know, he was saying... Uh, chatting over lightning makes it much harder to find out who's communicating with whom, so it is theoretically more private. Uh, it is not required to have a direct TCP slash IP connection between users, and there is no central server either that could reconstruct the communication pathways. The other good thing about this too, if if your encrypted chat is built on lightning, then you have the robustness of a decentralized network in the sense that you know Keybase's servers could go down and you're fucked. Right. I was also going to bring up, I'm pretty sure I saw this on uh, Ed Snowden's uh, Twitter, but uh, it came up recently that Signal actually got bought by an American company and like didn't disclose that to anyone pretty recently. Really? Uh, and so like you also run the risk of ultimately like you're trusting this third party kind of with uh, uh, who knows how much data because you know it's not open source. You don't really know how everything's working on the back end. Like, you know, who knows if they put some sort of update in there that... Or some backdoor. Yeah. yeah, I mean, uh, so Wait. there's a lot of value to this. I have a question. Yeah. Can you use Lightning? Because obviously you can use Bitcoin without having total internet access or even any internet access if you use stuff like uh, radio waves or whatever. Can you use Lightning with the same low level, not like um, the same internet capacity as Bitcoin? You... Uh, I mean, I don't know what you mean what by that, mean? but you definitely have to be connected to the internet to use Lightning. Are you There's saying no with the same Bitcoin? Are you saying with the same bandwidth? Well, bandwidth is like, I feel like that's a little bit subjective here because sometimes it's not the same medium. It's like sometimes it's radio waves, but I'm just wondering if like there's a way to use Lightning uh, without having the like, uh, I guess just in the most simple like, what's the barest form? What's the in the most barest way you can use Lightning? I mean, probably if you had a mesh network set up, but like Brandon said, so like you can use Lightning on the mesh network. Yeah, as long as it because the mesh networks will like connect you to the web. Stuff. Yeah, but like Brandon said, though the, the and this is also like one of the downsides to this is like if your node isn't online, then you can't receive anything. Right. Oh, right. Yeah. It needs to be online. Like right. you can't be. Like, it's not. Yeah. It has right. To be online. Yeah. I it, remember Blue Matt talking to I think it was Pete McCormick. Uh, in one of his like earlier earliest uh, episodes, yeah. and he was like the downside to lightning, and the one that we still can't get around is literally you have to be connected to the internet for this gotcha. to work. Yeah. Period. So that answers my question. Yeah. Because then you have to have like a much better internet connection to use lightning, and it can't be some one of those things that you use like in a field, you know, with the in the hills with some radio. 
antennas and stuff. You yeah, and it, that I think it makes less sense, at least from my limited understanding, like it makes less sense to turn your node on, run it, and use it, and then turn it off. Like it kind of has to be running as much as possible for it to kind of fully be benefited. Yeah, because I think you feel like what, every time you do that, you break the connection. Well, yeah, plus you wouldn't want to like turn your node off anyway because then like when you turn it back on, you have to sync the rest of the blockchain. Right. Right, and it's just like grossly inefficient. Well, and even if like you're just traveling and like you turn it on for half an hour and then you turn it off for like six hours, like that's not like taking up time to download the blockchain. It's more that like I think you just need to establish those connections and stuff again, which is interesting. It's an yep. interesting hurdle. So I think it's I think it's cool. I think like lightning messaging would be sick. Uh, the question just is, I think, like with anything, it's like, will people go out of their way to use it? I think where, Bitcoiners where probably were. I don't know. We're in the hey, fridge. beer man. What's up? What's going on, man? Can I get another beer? They're uh, already. No, no, like he wants some of the Zoomer beer. Ooh. Fake beer. Ooh. Fake beer. Oh. Yeah, I thought he was neutered. <laughs> <laughs> what? All right, we're gonna edit that part out. <laughs> how, how can you say such a thing? About your fellow, Brandon, co- you good? About your fellow uh, colleague. I'll take another one. I'll take another one. Okay. I'm good, Graham. I'm gonna drink real beer. <laughs> I thought you were a friend. <laughs> but um, but yeah, so super cool. Like it's just a matter of like whether or not Bitcoiners or anyone will decide to use it. I definitely think edge cases are interesting though, and having like a messaging, having messaging on Lightning to me makes a lot of sense, especially as it comes in terms of like. Not just like invoicing as we talk about it with Lightning itself, but like sending like actual invoices and sending like reminders and things like that, doing push payments, all that kind of stuff. Totally. Um, or push notification payments. All right, so second topic is Phineas Fisher offers 100K bounty to hack banks and oil companies. That is a headline from Vice who broke this story. And uh, we'll just go ahead and read some of the, the first paragraphs so people can get up to speed. Um... An infamous vigilante hacker known for their hits on surveillance companies is launching a new kind of bug bounty to award hacktivists who do public interest hacks and leaks. <laughs> Phineas Fisher published Excuse a new me. manifesto on Friday offering to pay hackers up to $100,000 in what they call a hacktivist bug bounty program. The hacker said he will pay in cryptocurrencies such as Bitcoin or Monero. As an example of targets, the hacker mentioned mining and livestock companies in South Africa, Israeli spy vendor NSO Group, and the oil company Halliburton. So Phineas Fisher is a, some would call him a black hat, I think, I mean, I guess definitionally he like actually is a black hat, but um, there's some nuance there, maybe a gray hat is what we'll call him, Um, because he does, he's he's hacked into um, a bunch of different, you know, agencies and companies before, Um, he's hacked into the British uh, German surveillance group Gamma, uh, uh, or surveillance tech vendor Gamma Group, uh, which makes... uh, this controversial spyware called Finn Fisher. Uh, he's also hit the Spanish police Why force is it before. Do you know? That is a great question, and if we if follow this, if we follow this hyperlink, we can get to that. Okay. <laughs> um, but he's also got involved with Hacking Team, which, if you guys know anything about Hacking Team, they were they formerly known as Hacking Team, uh, now known as Neutrino. That's the company that Coinbase bought out, and everyone got mm-hmm. like really upset about it because. Their surveillance technology had been used to basically get like certain journalists and parts of the world killed, right? Um, and it led to human rights abuses with governments like Saudi Arabia, etc. But so Phineas Fisher has been active for a while, and the dude or chick, they have been orchestrating these like I'll call them gray hat hackings, where they hack into companies with uh, you know maybe dark pasts or who muddy the truth, and they release documents in the public's interest. Like for instance, a lot of the stuff that came out about hacking team was because Phineas Fisher uh, hacked into their, hacked into their, uh, their devices and leaked it all. Um, so I think it's interesting because, as Vice says, it's like, to be clear, like, this is basically a bug bounty program that incentivizes criminal activity, which is true. But if that criminal activity is unearthing other criminal activity, do the ends justify the means here? Does it balance it out? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a lot to unpack, right? Uh, uh, and I don't know if I have my own opinion formed about it yet. Because on the one hand, you know, uh, in Bitcoin, we kind of go by the rule or the rule of thumb that code is law, right? right. So if these guys are hackable, then it's not bad to hack them because they were hackable, right? It's like right. Uh, they're exploiting something that was there and that was able for them to exploit. And therefore, they shouldn't be, you know, looked badly upon, uh, uh, ooh, voice crack, to do that. Um on the flip side, 
it's this vigilanteism that's like so hard to uh, uh, you know wrap some your head around because it's so easily corruptible in that like you can get kind of the the mob to go after someone that's unjustified. Uh, they can go way too far. They themselves are deciding who is good and who is bad, and then like trying to dig up dirt on them. I mean, like, for all yeah. we know, and like I'm not saying this is true, but like for all we know, Halliburton could be like a very good company doing a lot of good things for the world, and like really doesn't deserve to be targeted as like the uh, a huge target to expose everything that they're doing. It's just like, you know, on the one sense we've gotten to the point where we basically have to let these vigilantes do the dirty work in order to expose the fraud because we don't have enough like watchdogism left in the world. On the other hand, like, uh, why are we relying on these guys? It's like Batman, right? It's like Batman. Because we have to. It wasn't Halliburton, uh, the name of the bad corporation in Grand Theft Auto five. Was it? It was like, it was Halliburton or Halla. It was something like that. Can you be sound evil? Totally not total non sequitur, but can you be like this podcast, Jamie, you know, like, do you, you watch Joe Rogan? Yeah. Yeah. You like, that. yeah. That's sort of... I don't... I, like, I think Graham is this... I think Beer Man is this podcast beer man. beer man. Yeah, you're the Beer Man. I think every podcast has, like, that dude that's, like, behind the camera that's, like, doing stuff. No, 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 no. He's, he's not... He's not every podcast. He is our podcast. Yeah. He, like, he's, he's his own thing. He's like the it's Hank... Innovative. He's like the Hank Innovative. to our Barstool. Yeah. Uh, but so, like... <laughs> It's so weird to wrestle with, like, what we're doing here. Because, yeah, don't uh, you think there's, like, some moral obligation that these, or a moral, like, fault that these, uh, that this, like, hacktivist group is uh, breaking by doing this? Can be. But it's it just, also could not be. You know, like, a mor- morality falls with the many. It's the masses who define morality. I, I, I would say morality is more in, like, the eye of the person who's, like, committing it more. I mean, obviously, everyone has their opinion, but, like... That's, like, the true justification. It's, like, what do they believe they're doing? Do they think that it's, like, right that they're doing this and that if they, like, uncover the right things and, like, they did the right thing from the very beginning? Or is it, like... I I mean, it's all in, like, their own heads how they're justifying it. Uh, I just don't... I think there's a moral fault here that, like, they're... uh, That they're breaching, like, when when they do this. But, like, do you think Snowden had a moral fault? No, because, correct me if I'm wrong, Colin, this group is... They're promoting the like coordinated attack on this company. Like they're trying to hack this company and saying, hey, "Well, they're basically expose potential human rights issues and wrongdoings yeah. and corruption." So that to me sounds like the same kind of argument of what we and this might be like political or not, but like what we did with uh, when we invaded Iraq. It was like, or even with like the Snowden issue, like when we sur- what right <laughs> when we like when we uh, did surveillance on like our own people. It's like, what are we doing? Uh, why are we doing it? It's like, do we do it because we have a hunch first, and if we have yeah, a hunch, then for it's sure. okay? Hall- Hall- Halliburton, it? Halliburton has been implicated in some sketchy stuff in the past, for sure. So that's why that's why Phineas Fisher is singling, not singling them out, because well, so it's just I, one example. Yeah, but he's also singling out the Israeli okay. you know, uh, intelligence community, which yeah. is, like, by extension, our intelligence community. You well, know, actually, I just think... indicted for corruption. So, Who, the Israeli intelligence yeah. community? No, the Ooh, prime minister. Bibi, yeah. Bibi, not so, Netanyahu, but the, he's, he's standing trial. The, the Israeli group is, either. I think, like, the NSO surveillance group. is, is a te- So it's a technology firm. I imagine they probably sell technology to the government. Um, but so, like, it definitely does raise kind of an ethical and a moral issue. Um, I'm of the mindset that without hackers like this, actually... Like, we do not actually have a legitimate lens into the inner workings of some of these organizations. And without hackers like this, I'm speaking from a journalist perspective here, like, journalists don't have sources that will actually let them look into some of these companies sometimes. Like, unless, like, a whistleblower from the company is coming to them directly, or unless a hacker is like, hey, look, I just hacked all of these documents, I've authenticated them, if you also want to authenticate them, go ahead, but here you go. Um, like, mm-hmm. without these efforts, uh, you know we actually don't always know what's going on. And I think, for, for instance, I, I think that it's pretty cool. Do um, we have a right to always know what's going on? I think so. I mean, if, if, a gov- if a company is... I believe with governments, we have a right to always know what's going on. But do I have a right to know what, you know, Halliburton is doing with every single part of their operation? No. If you're, I, you don't. If you're a consumer, well, let's say Halliburton's gas makes it into Shell, BP, etc. If they're selling the gas of this company... 
and you as a consumer really don't have any other choice but to buy this gas. You're not, you know, you're, maybe you're not rich enough for a Tesla. Even if you had a Tesla, like in Tennessee, they're burning the Dude, gas anyway. I'm in Bitcoin. The- of course, I'm rich enough for a Tesla. <laughs> but like, so like I see, I, I see your point, and I hear just your kidding. Point Wind Moon about like we can't. Uh, that's the next topic. But like we can't like, you know, we can opt out of companies more than we can opt out of the state. But at the same time, though, you're still consuming these things from this company. And this company is paying marketers and PR firms millions of dollars a year to make you think that they're the good guys. They're it disingenuous. It doesn't matter. Why doesn't it matter? Uh, I don't think it matters on what, how much marketing <laughs> they do or anything. It doesn't inherently give you a right to uh, break into their databases and information systems to see what they're actually doing. It doesn't give you the inherent right to know the truth just because you have... Hypothetical. If a company says we don't do X, you know, we don't, uh, you know, whatever you name it, like especially yeah, oil yeah, companies, no, no, oil companies have. A, if, they, if they say they don't do X, then, then what? If a company says we don't do this and they're actually doing that and then a hacker gets documents to prove that they're doing that, do you deserve to know? Because the company has so lied about it. They're mi- not accountable. Minus that second part of a hacker uncovering it, I think that every company in the world has for public and PR reasons, and then that's the justification they use afterwards, uh, has said, we don't do this or something, because that's the short version of saying that they do or do not do a version of something that you're making a point at. But what if it was, for instance, something like Shell, for instance, I think this was in the 90s, they funded militant groups in Africa. So that's an extremist example. basically, right. It makes sense there. Right, but that's what I'm saying. So, like, if that happens and, like, a company is like, no, we don't do these things. But this is is what I mean. This is, I know you have something you want to say, but this is the exact same argument that the United States government used to basically say, hey, look, terrorists have used cell phones before. They've used them before. It's happened. We know that. So we're going to inspect everyone's phones. We're going to surveil everything. Basically, abuse of power. Difference being, that's the United States government, and this is one hacker. So... The way that I'm thinking about it, and, like, this is my mental model I built, is, like, Batman. These guys are Batman, right? And, like, uh, uh, is Batman a good guy? Yeah. But what made Batman a good guy? Like, he chose to be a good guy, right? And we can all celebrate Batman as long as he's being a good guy, but there's nothing stopping him from being a bad guy. And and the more we kind of let Batman run the easier it is for Batman to make a misstep and become the bad guy. And that's what we're dealing with right here. Like, maybe they're doing... Like maybe every single single thing that they've done, every activist hack they've done so far, has been an objective good for the world. Okay, so... But we're still letting them do this, and they could make a really bad uh, move for the entire world. And there's nothing to hold them accountable. And there's, like... Like, we can't rely on these one-off vigilantes... <laughs> to be uh, uh, in charge of basically the moral culpability of, uh, of corporations. There's got to be a better way. Who's going to do it, though? I don't know. I mean, that's so a problem, right? What you're distinguishing here is that from the very beginning, like the, the motive behind even doing anything is, the, is good. So, like, it, it, that's, that's what you're distinguishing here. And it's not even what they decide why they're, why they're doing it, like the actual person. It's, it is what the they public. would decide. I mean, it's no, the, what no. they decide is good. Right. I'm saying it's, it, it's not even – it is obviously they decide it too, but it's what the public and, like, the public Right. So I, I, I kind of want to get to that too. So for, for context, Halliburton is, is Dick Cheney's oil company. Like, he used to be mm-hmm. the CEO of it. And oh. basically Halliburton oh. – I yeah. didn't know that until just now. Halliburton profited on contracts made – Basically, from us from going to war, Saudis. yeah, for us going to war in the Middle East. So, oh. yeah, right. So now you're thinking a little this bit differently live, about this. Live, live See, I'm not it. thinking differently though, because ultimately, I'm not saying that this exact hack isn't going to end up being maybe a good thing. I'm saying this entire you're worried about the implica- you're worried about the implications going forward. It just makes me uneasy, and no, I know that you could you could well, take this clip out and you could uh, copy it and paste it into like the Watchmen or into the dark night or into like all these different things that literally wrestle with this exact topic. And I'm not no more insightful than they are, you know, writing the show, but they spent years thinking about this one topic. All I'm saying is that I don't think there's an easy answer on either side as to how you should view this. Right. Well, I guess it's kind of, for me, it's the same problem as like, you know, people always talk about how Bitcoin's development is centralized, right? It's like, well, there are really only a handful of developers, like let's say a hundred or so, 
and even like less than that, maybe 25 or so who could understand Bitcoin enough on the minute level to be able to make the changes in the protocol that are absolutely necessary for it to succeed. Mm -hmm. So for something like this, for instance, uh, the government, because we live in in an oligopoly in the United States, the government is not going to hold corporations accountable. Um, Corporations, sure as shit, aren't going to hold corporations accountable. So what are we left with? We're left with people who actually have the ability to basically... Like, you know, do the 21st century equivalent of of pick locking the company safe and seeing what the secrets are. So for me, it's almost like I, I see where you're coming from. and I do think that's an important point. It's like, you know, why do, why do you think you're entitled to know what they what they what their secrets are? Because though? they are telling me because they're lying to me. That's why. Because let me finish this. Because the corporations through a, a multitude of tactics and through like multiple avenues are selling one story and we will never know the full story. What, what's stopping you from just the free market ability for you to just not participate in their in what they're selling? Am I just going to stop driving? What do you I'm just going to stop using my car? You're using a specific example. so like, Well, yeah, but because Halliburton was one of the ones that Phineas Fisher pointed out. So like, I'm using that as a touchstone. Do I just stop using my car? I mean, if I wanted it's to be a purist, I could do car, that. Though. Well, it's about, it's about consuming gasoline. I guess they're so an oil not, company. You're not consuming it directly from them, so it's completely. But different. I might be. I I very well. No, but you're seriously, you're not. I mean, no, but what I'm telling you is, dude, is, is, is Royal Dutch Shell very well might buy their oil or gasoline from oil, or or, or from think, Halliburton. I think right? there's a much so. bigger argument here that oil itself, as an industry, is very corrupt and manipulative. So, like, there's a whole different thing to kind of get into here. I think we're all talking past each other, though. I mean, the the real nut of this is. And, like, to use an example that's prescient to all of us, if Snowden were to say, like, let me back into the country, everyone knows what I did was good for America, and I think we all agree with that, and as soon as I'm back, I'm going to immediately start trying to dig up more shit on the NSA, right? Like, how does that make you feel versus let me back into America, I did this one crime, like, it was a crime, technically, uh, uh, but I'm, you know... It's the good of the people, and I'm done. Like, I've done the act. Let me back, right? Well, I'd say he'd be it's stupid much, to keep digging. It's much easier to let someone back because they, they took a swing at a vigilante kind of thing, and they hit a home run. But, like, when you allow people this weird free reign of, I'm going to celebrate you by the fact that you're operating outside of the legal scope of what you should be doing... Uh, you really lose the ability to like control that vehicle of of uh, uh, regulation. I guess. For lack of a better word. I guess for me, it all boils down to truth to power. It's like we don't have the resources that these people have. Like the, the I'm talking about common people. Like this is part of the reason why we buy Bitcoin, especially as millennials. It's like we're not going to have pension funds. Like you know, like the real estate market is out of our grasp in a lot of regards. Um, there are so many things that our parents had access to that we don't. And for something like this, for corporations that basically hold Washington by the balls, I don't feel sorry for them. If you're doing shady shit, someone hacks into your servers, there is a vulnerability and they take stuff from you. That's the way the game's played, bud. You know, like we don't have many tools against these people, True. but technology is one that we do have. And I guess that's where I come from. I mean, it's a great point. Yeah, I mean, the, the last thing I would say is like the bigger issue is how do we rewrite Washington in order to you know, not give corporations this ability to just bully the pot. And I think that that's... We secede, man. <laughs> Dude, if we secede, Russia wins. Uh, no. Uh, but, I, like, it, obviously it's like a, a way more political, like, get money out of politics, all this kind of stuff that we don't need sure. to bleed into. But, like, uh, this is this is one that, you know, is gonna I'm going to wrestle with for a while. Yeah. All right. So with that one in the bag, let's go ahead and move on to price. So right now we at uh, seventy six hundred. Uh, I think uh, flat. Uh, seventy six ten. So basically, I think um, this morning I think it touched at lows of seventy four hundred or something. I saw a tweet about. Uh, yeah, sure, something around then. But um, yeah, so I mean, I don't think this is really that much of a surprise. I think anyone, unless like there was a random Bart up, I think anyone looking at the chart for the past, let's see. Really, for the past month since we made that leap up to 10k, um, it's just been going, you know, going down, step down. But uh, yeah, reactions, thoughts. Um, so, from the angle of like someone who has like a bunch of people who, um, I guess there's a lot of people that like like text me like 
regard to my opinion uh, about what's going on. And these are people who like are friends from home or uh, like friends or parents of friends. So just complete um, people who are just interested in Bitcoin because they're interested in Bitcoin and like they don't really uh, they're just getting into it from different angles. But it's it's kind of interesting to explain or like try and find reasoning because obviously there is no real reasoning behind like any price moves, but. It's interesting to find reasoning for things like this because at the end of the day, I think the ultimate answer that I end up giving to basically everybody that asks is uh, there is really no answer. Uh, Bitcoin just went down because a lot of people sold it and a lot of people didn't buy it at the same time. Um, but then like you get you get really, uh, if you want to get really nuanced in it and you go on Twitter and you listen to uh, some people who actually like know what's going on. There's always like different reasons that you can pull from uh, different like parts of the industry. Like uh, this time, someone said that uh, someone sold almost twenty thousand Bitcoin uh, on Binance in different cells, um, and then someone else is saying that you know that was part of minor capitulation, but it really hasn't been because uh, it's not nearly the amount that we saw miners selling at when we broke that floor at fifty eight hundred uh, last June. So it's really, it's just interesting to see, like, when the price moves like this, ultimately, like, and I know Marty Bent, uh, who has, like, a really awesome pot, uh, newsletter, he has not talked about the price. He even said this, like, a couple days ago, but he hasn't talked about the price in, I don't think, ever in his newsletter. Um, and it's for reasons like this, because there's really no reason you can, like, attribute to this. Um, people trade Bitcoin, like, some people have their reasons for selling, buying. Uh, so it's just funny to see stuff like this and... There's always there always needs to be an explanation, but there usually isn't. My take is, uh, I mean, I, I agree with what Mike's saying here, but uh, uh, first and foremost, Bitcoin takes the path of maximum pain. Uh, and if you look at when Bitcoin broke all-time highs going into the bull run in 2017, uh, when it broke all-time highs, almost no one was paying attention. In like a, a thousand or twenty thousand, like uh, uh, no, twelve hundred, twelve hundred, one thousand two hundred. Like when it broke that all time high of the last bubble, no one hardly noticed except for a few people who were still paying attention to this space. Why did that happen? Because there were so many like flashes of hope that Bitcoin then, like, you know, busted through and uh, uh kind of defeated people that like they were worn out and they weren't ready to be hopeful again. And then it slowly just crept up to all-time highs without anyone noticing. That's the path it's going to take once again. And it, but like you could see when even when we had this jump at the beginning of the or like the end of last month, where we you know jumped up to 10k. Uh, once again, like there was a lot of people who were like, "Oh, here we go!" You know, like uh, we're about to go up. This is the last time you will see Bitcoin on the yeah yeah the the classic <laughs> hold not tweet right, but like uh. uh as long as there's still that like majority active market participant sentiment of like here we go, Bitcoin's gonna continue to make you hurt. So it's about uh, uh, patience, and it's about hodling, and it's about you know uh, uh, knowing that ultimately the the market works so that there's gonna be another bull run, probably in tandem with the happening. And like, uh, it's just, it's an inevitability of the market, but don't try and outsmart yourself going into it and trying to, you know, get that extra 20% profit because it's just, uh, uh, obviously this is no trading advice, right? No financial advice, but like Bitcoin's bigger than what it's priced in the past month. Uh, and, and so it's, it's, you just got to understand that like there's bigger things at play here than just what it did today. It's, it's what it did in the past two years so you're saying well so like because it's interesting because i i have this opinion that i've like slowly uh been coming to grasp grasps with but uh depending on like the amount of eyes that people have on bitcoin it's like the majority of people weren't paying attention last time when they broke a thousand right mm -hmm. this time i think we can all agree that a lot of eyes not not that many still not that many not that many still eyes not that many. we're already down to a very few amount of eyes like my one of my group that i'm in of mm -hmm. like uh bitcoin crypto enthusiasts that was like thousands of messages every day in like december january 2017 2018 mm -hmm. like i haven't seen a message in there in like a month two months yeah, i think this 
Like, right. we're getting close. We're getting close. So this time around, though, we have people who stuck through the bull market or bear market. Yeah. And who, who knows if we're still in the bull market or the bear market, whatever. Like, no one knows until the end. But We had that last time, too. It's just less people. It's an order of magnitude different. Right. But so now we have, like, a lot more people who have these audiences. Like, let's just say, you know, CNBC and uh, just news platforms in general. CNBC's so, not paying attention anymore. I disagree. Uh, I think Where was their article about Bitcoin just dropped a thousand bucks? I think they got smart. I don't know. I think Joe. Squat, I think they're not paying attention. I think Joe Squat because I mean, so no, well, I think I, I can say with confidence that none, neither of us have uh, watched Squawk Box in the last two or three days, right? Yeah, sure. So like, there is a chance they talked about it. I don't know, but basically, like to just wrap up this point, I'm trying to make. It's it's really just a hot take, honestly, because it's not really something we've talked about. But there's a good chance, I think, because of the fact that there's more people. Uh, obviously, with every cycle, including this one, which is the latest one, uh, watching Bitcoin's moves. Um, I actually don't know if the price is going to do... Uh, th- it's going to behave the same way that we're going to see or that we've seen in the past because there's more people participating. So just by sheer volume and liquidity size, uh, the market's going to... It's not going to act that much slower because this is a scarce asset, but it's going to react so much more differently where, like... I think there will be a lot of people, including some of the people I just mentioned, like the people that text me and like ask me, like, hey, what's up? They're going to be pissed off during the halving, yeah. like for a six months, right. a year. Well, I mean, think about like, so when and if Bitcoin transcends 20K again, that's going to be, gonna be a long time. bullish as mm-hmm. hell. I don't think it's going to be that long. If, for if us, it does, what's a long for us, will be what bullish do, as hell. What do you think is a long time? I mean, probably like a year, maybe two. Like, I don't care though. Like, honestly, like stay under 10k for as long as you can. Bitcoin Here's the thing: yeah, for us, it'll be bullish as hell. For the rest of the world, they won't even notice. No, they will though, because the reason they will is because if Bitcoin, no, look, if Bitcoin transcends 20k again, because when it hit 20k, I mean, that was peak fever mania. Like, if you go to a major city in the United States, like a tech city, or at least like a technically inclined, like. New York or San Francisco, even when I was in Europe, like in places like Amsterdam and Arnhem, like people know, like commoners know about Bitcoin. Like they, they've heard about it. If it hits 20K again, they always ask what's the price at, right? If it hits 20K again and goes above 20K, when people see that, the psychological effect that that's going to have on him, they're going to be like, holy shit. Bitcoin was 20k back in 2017. They're not going to see it over that, that now. So they're not going to be oh, paying attention totally to see will. it. So I, I think th- there will be headlines. I think that they will see it, but it will take so long to happen that before it happens, it will be this like market of like mech, but still great for people that have been in the space. And then once it happens, it'll take four or five years, let's say hypothetically, and then it'll moon, and then everyone's narrative still matches up. Right? You guys underestimate the path of maximum pain. By the time Bitcoin hits 20K, <laughs> no one is going to notice who isn't in this space, who isn't actively paying attention to it. Uh, and then they'll start to notice when it starts making... Bro, you're telling me, you're telling me right now that like all of these mainstream media outlets, when Bitcoin hits 20K again, are just going to ignore it? They're just going to be like, oh yeah, no, fuck that. Like That's not worth talking about. When it just hit its other all-time high. Like It went from 20K to 3K back to 20K again. Look at what happened last time. Well, but 12, then you can't compare. It to, you can't to, compare it to last time, though, because last time there was significantly less attention, but still attention. Like, yeah, but no, it's, but it's, like it's, my, but like my cousins take away. Yeah, my cousins didn't know about Bitcoin last time, but they know about Bitcoin this time. Like my friends didn't know about Bitcoin the last time, but they know about it this time. I mean, that's well, just the I natural mean, be, flow of it. Like, like, yeah. To be fair, there, there will be like people that we're all friends with that will. They'll know, they they knew about Bitcoin two years ago. Like, hey man, they knew up? about Bitcoin two years ago. They knew about it now, and in two years ago, they'll just casually text you, be like, "Hey man, I heard Bitcoin's uh, doing well, and it's at like twenty five k." And you're like, "Yeah, bro, it's fucking killing it." And they're like, "Oh, I heard it's just doing well." Like that, it, people who don't watch it, they're just like, "I actually, you know, I'll I'll talk to people today that I just meet uh, like recently, and they'll be like, "Hey." Uh, isn't Bitcoin at like twenty thousand? Or didn't it hit that? And that's all they remember. So most of an, my friends have no idea what the Bitcoin price is right now. Yeah, to an extent, they're I, not going to know what it is. Right, right but they highs. but they know that but they know the all time high. And the reason they don't know about the price is because they don't track it. But the second Bitcoin goes above twenty k, there will be news articles about it, and they will see it Which, trending on. But there social. will be a few news articles about it, but it won't be the focus of the news. It was the focus of the news when everyone. Why came wouldn't in. it be? Because that's all anyone in the mainstream media talks about. I mean, that's all that we talk about. That's all anyone talks about. Man. I couldn't tell you exactly why because yeah, it hasn't happened is. yet. But I'm telling you, Bitcoin takes the path of maximum pain. By the time it's hitting all-time highs, 
few people are going to notice outside of this space. And it's just it's it's a artifact of the. I just dis- I disagree though because so many people took notice and and so many people took notice during the bull run. Dude, I'm glad Everyone you actually. I'm glad you that. brought out the the Venezuelan boulevards yeah. because plus one for when point, you guys give a hot take, bro. Don't yeah. Don't a point do that, that I was gonna bro, take. I was gonna rain those at the end of the episode. Ooh, nice. Uh, a point that I was gonna it's, make though. Sensitive beer man is. Uh, <laughs> let's let's play a game real quick. Let's list all of the countries right now that have active protests going on against their government, like big active protests. Lebanon, Iran, Iraq, Venezuela. Um, Argentina, Hong Kong, Argentina, Chile, yeah, uh, uh, Ecuador. I mean, uh, yeah, there's a lot. Uh, and those are the ones France, that we know about, right? France, oh, the France, Yellow Jackets. Mm, it's kind of died down. I mean, still, like in the past. No, three that has not died down at all. I mean, Dude, the Yellow yeah. Jacket protests totally have. What I are like? Disagree. What are all the? They're all protesting the same kind of thing, even though it doesn't seem like they are. Maybe Hong Kong's the, the difference. Uh, uh, there. Or Iran is protesting a very similar issue to Hong Kong. Well, really, Iran like Hong Kong was protesting China's involvement with their economy and government. Like, uh, yeah. Uh, uh, at the but at most the, of these the, other. It's all about it's all about corruption and wealth inequality. Wealth. I think it's all about inflation, which is wealth inequality. Well, yeah, but like, uh, uh, I think it's neat. I think it's more just governments having too much control. Like that's that's as far as like the argument takes it. Like not really argument. though. I, I mean, think, like Chile was protesting the three percent increase in or three cent increase in subway fares. Sure. And it went to like a full on like I can't if there's not a better like token like look at what the world is actually feeling right now uh, than Chile. What's like, your, yeah. So what's your point? Even the smallest three cent increase in subway charges caused a full on countrywide riot. Right? Like like I think it was people are primed. Like people see It was. People see an inequality dude, that's pretty sick. Uh, uh people like can sense the inequality, even though they can't put their finger on it. That somehow the rich are getting richer and they're not getting richer. And uh, the reason why, and, like, uh, Ray Dalio had his good piece coming out recently about this, too. But, like, we're seeing inflation. We're seeing it in America. We're just not seeing it through the right lens. Inflation is happening through the price of assets. It's not through the price of consumer goods. It's the fact that houses cost more to buy. It's the fact that uh, stocks cost more to buy. Like, the ways by which you save, the ways by which you're, uh, you're... the bar, the grows. access is beca- the bar to access is becoming increasingly higher. Yeah, right. like how do I, uh, without Bitcoin, in America today, as a millennial, you know, fresh out of college kind of guy, cool. like how do I store my va- like gold. store my wealth? That's literally the only thing is gold or Bitcoin. Yeah, but like honestly, I, I can't afford knows, a house. I don't know how to fucking buy gold tomorrow. Yeah, no. literally, just are you shitting me? You're you're a millennial. Just Google buy gold. Like it's no, not no, that like yeah, that's that's how you go to a pawn shop. Okay, I guess that's how <laughs> that's how simple it is. <laughs> but, but, what do I buy my gold with? <laughs> <laughs> hey, go home. Uh, uh, Shh, don't tell your wife. You're but yeah, it's like that. everyone everyone's saying like inflation isn't <laughs> happening, right? Everyone's yeah. saying inflation isn't happening. Uh, uh, everything's fine. Like look at us. Somehow we have this money market theory where we can keep printing money and like we're not going to have inflation in the market. Everyone's going to be fine. It's totally no, it's not. Because inflation's happening in the ways by which people, like, retire and are able to, like, not worry about their next paycheck and live month to month. And it's, like, that's the thing that people aren't realizing is that that's where these protests are coming from. It's not the fact that, like, the subway costs three cents more. It's the breaking point. It's that the subway costs three cents more and we still don't have a freaking way to, like, save money in order to, like... Us, like absorb that cost. It's the breaking point. Uh, right, so, what's your point? Does it really? Yeah, it's mostly inequality. Well, it, it's, it's not inequality. Yeah. It, it's like it's inflation. Like, it's which plan is, B, which which leads to inequality. It's so we're B. all saying the right, same thing, right? But it's like these people that have uh, right now they have no other option. So it's like they've been dealing with this for so long, and this is finally the breaking point where they're like, okay, like stop, like stop, like there's no more that we can like take with this because we don't have a plan B. For sure, but what was your point with that with Bitcoin? Well, or, that, or with like the price stuff? That uh, don't be too worried about like Bitcoin's next bull run because these are the market forces that are going to move the next one. Right, which it's, is another reason why I think people are going to pay attention. 
So I'm kind of confused why you were saying they wouldn't pay attention because it kind of sounds like you're saying that they should pay attention. They should, but they won't. Mm. It's just they won't. It's, well, I mean, it's that's why we gotta have... we gotta evangelize, y'all. Well, I mean, yeah, I mean that's our job, so, right? We're Bitcoin the, Magazine. The we fun... gotta teach everyone about what this thing is. The funny thing about all of this is that Bitcoin's value has never, ever, ever fundamentally been driven by how much the media pays attention to it. It's just part. It's pieces of the world. Uh, realizing I, that there's I disagree in the sense that if you saw like if you like what well, you did see when Bitcoin was just ripping in November Bitcoin and December Bi- right. but look but when Bitcoin was ripping in December that's, that's why I said November, primarily yeah right but um yeah so good point no, it, like I mean so that's what I mean that, like November uh, like basically like half of 2017 was what like what, what you're talking about which is like the media helping something where they're just pumping the price of a scarce asset and like it just got so many people in but in general from zero to ten thousand or zero to a thousand zero to whatever market cap you want to put in bitcoin make it more like a smooth number that value appreciation has never been due to uh marketing media because i mean how is it created mailing list how is it uh invested in mining and just all these different things that people like assign value to it invested in it based on what it did, not what, like, the media said. The media causes the bubbles. The bubbles, yeah, absolutely, yeah. It causes the bubbles and the, and the crashes, it, the whole cycle. The media helps helps those. It's the it's the human herd mentality that... But it also hurts everyone else because now they're buying into a bubble. Uh, it, I, I, yeah, I mean, like, the, the media is human. So the media just feeds into a human, uh, a human thing that we all have, which is, like... Yeah. I mean, let's all be honest, when... Really though, when Bitcoin was at uh, ten thousand in in June in the conference, I think we all thought that like that was, that was like the next wave. Like let's let's go. I mean like I don't think anyone was screaming in the office like, let's let's sell everything right now because we're for sure. Go-. Like you can't tell that much. Like you can tell. A it's story. hard. It's hard unless you zoom out, and it's hard to zoom out, and, and especially when things are going well. It's hard to think for yourself too, especially in an industry like this. Like mm-hmm. you have all these people, and that's. It's one of those things that like I like and don't like about Twitter uh, right now because like the best people who come up with their own opinions and their own moves and like obviously look not obviously but sometimes look better uh, in retrospect they don't like bounce their opinions off people on Twitter and like gauge their opinions off that it's like it's it's hard when you're in an echo chamber I guess especially yeah. if you're trading for sure bro we well, are definitely uh, an echo chamber all right and on that note. I oh. think that's a good... Stop. Why? Wow, that was so nice. cool. Was it cool? Uh, a bad radio. I just threw a bunch of fiat in there. All right. Well, anyway, I think that uh, rounds out this week's episode. Thanks for tuning in, y'all. Tune in next week. And uh, deuces. Deuces.